Alright guys, so tonight we're going to talk about God's assurance before God's final judgment. So, the last several weeks in Revelation, we've been going through the seals. Uh, there's seven different seals in Revelation. In seals one through six, each time when they're opened up, um, pretty much reveals another kind of tragedy that's going to happen on earth. Whether it's some kind of widespread famine or massive warfare. You know, the first one with the Antichrist coming to earth. There's all kinds of, of really, really bad things that are going to happen. Um, and so, 1 through 6 have been pretty dreadful at this point. Seal number 7 is arguably probably um, what most people consider the worst seal, uh, which makes sense it's the last seal that's unveiled during the end times. However, before seal number 7, there's kind of like a break in the action, in a sense, which is really, really odd um, because if you go through Revelation, it's just one after another. So one, two, three, four, five, six. And then there's like chapters and chapters and chapters of other material before you really get to seal number seven. Um, and there's a reason kind of for that. And that's what we're going to talk about. And in this other material that we're going to talk about tonight in the next few weeks, it's really good to know for not only in the end times, but also for our lives today. Because there's a lot of life lessons and things you can learn. And a lot of things you can learn about God's character from this passage in Revelation. So I want to read you guys out just the first little part, and we're going to dive into it here. In Revelation 7, it says, After these things, so it's talking about after these six seals have been revealed to John, he's, he's seen his vision, he saw four angels standing at four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, on the sea, or on any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to, to harm the earth and the sea, saying, Do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. So what do you guys catch that next part there again? So the, the last seal is about to be unveiled. John is seeing this like vision. And all of a sudden, this angel says, Hey, before you do that, John, has, John wants to do something else first. And he, just, and he says that God wants to seal the servants of, of God on their forehead. And again, I'll explain that in a second, so just keep that in mind. And then it says, And I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000, and all the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed. So the first kind of part here, now what you guys to think about, is it's actually opening up basically a salvation interlude, is what people call it, which is a pretty fancy word, um, salvation interlude. Um, so this is basically, if you were to watch like a Broadway play, and it's been leading up to like this dramatic scene this whole time, and you're almost at the final scene, you kind of have this little side break here in the action, and it's telling like a little different part of the story, and then you go back to the main action again. So it's kind of like intermission in a sense. Or, um, and so this, this part here, the reason this is important is because this part, um, shows that God's people are going to be spared from judgment, or from this kind of harsh judgment that we're going to see from the rest of the world. Because it says here in verse number 3, it says, Do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees, until we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. Basically, God is promising there, before seal number 7 comes, I want to, I want to show you guys that I'm going to protect my people this time. 
You know, a lot of people are going to be protected, so and a lot of people are going to be sealed. So pe the people are not protected for the first day? Um, there's a lot of them that the Christians are, are, are protected from. And there's certain ones, like even the martyrs, when they cry out, you know, God, why are you, why did we die for this, and things like that, or how much long we have to wait, basically. So there's a lot of things that happened previously that a lot of people have died for. And there'll be other Christians that die later on in the tribulation. But God is basically saying in this particular instance, from my understanding, that the Christians are going to be sealed from the future harm. What's that um, mean? Sealed basically protected. Um, so, like, God is protecting them uh, and, and causing no harm to happen to them, although there's going to be tribulation and trials around them. Do you want me to wait to talk about that? Um, uh, let me get to one more because I may answer that, then we'll come back to it. Okay, so um, one thing I found, one commentary says, just when we are expecting even more destruction, we open with the, in opening the seventh seal, the scene shifts. Four angels stand at the, what they call the four corners of the earth, basically just spread out across the earth, holding back destruction and to hold back judgments until God's people can be sealed. So there's, here's the important, here's and why this is important. Because it shows that God's wrath is control. Here's what I mean by that. When you get really mad and angry, a lot of times as humans, we can't control that. You know, if we, I mean, we can, but a lot of us have really bad self-control. And so if you're getting really, really mad, really upset at somebody, You'll probably just start going off on everybody around you. They might be your worst day ever. You're really irritable one day. You know, even if somebody says something nice to you, you may, you know, smart off to them just because you're in a bad mood that day. Um, but God here, he's already issued six different major judgments, basically, on the earth. And he's in the process of doing his, uh, doing his wrath. His wrath is being revealed here, uh, which is right, righteous of him because these people have sinned against him. And God has taken over. But even in the midst of his anger at, at, at sin and people not following him, he's able to control that and pause all of that and make sure that people that are following him are rewarded and are assured of salvation and that they, and they, and they know that he's still with them and he still loves and cares for them. So that shows a lot about God's character because even though God is going to eventually have his final judgment and God's wrath does come through, and at the same time, he's not all about just punish, punish, punish people, and my wrath is going to destroy everything. You know, he's, he ultimately wants to love his people. He wants to care for his people. He wants to protect his people. And he ultimately desires everybody to turn to him. Unfortunately, we know that many aren't, and many aren't today. But he, he desires that earnestly. So this is a good example here in Revelation to show that, that he stops before the final seal and makes sure that, he, that his people understand Hey, I'm watching out for you. I haven't forgot about you. And I'm going to make sure you're taken care of. It's kind of a cool thing to think about because he, he, he stops his anger and pauses just to make sure that his love shines through. Uh, it's kind of a neat thing to think about there. It, again, it reveals his character. Um, and also, I also saw here, or I read in this commentary, that the interludes function rhetorically to shape the identity of God's people as protected, and they end up praising God. Um, and, and worshiping him in communion together. And so I want you guys to think about this in your life today. That one thing to take away from this, obviously during this time, but also in our time today, is that God's love and hope are eternal. 
Um, that means even even in the worst trial that we may face on earth, even in the worst possible moments, God is still looking out and, and saying, "I love and care for you," and there's still hope. And even in this moment here, when the seventh seal is about to be revealed, those that give their life to Christ, those that follow Him, are safe from 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 the ultimate punishment, which is eternal separation from Him. And so even in the worst possible moment in our lives, even when God may be the angriest at you, His love is still stronger than His anger and His wrath. And so even when you're doing something terrible, as long as you're still living and breathing here on earth, you can still turn back to God and instead of Him saying, no, you've gone too far, I'm just going to destroy you, He'll still welcome you back with open arms and, and, and give, you, give you forgiveness. And that's a pretty powerful message here in Revelation here, just showing us that you know, these people, by this point, most of the people have seen and know that there's a God at this point. After all these things have happened, there's no doubt there's a God out there. But there's still a lot of people that aren't going to put their faith in Him. But in the midst of all of that, instead of God just saying, fine, you know, I'm just destroying it right now, He still takes time to show love and compassion and grace for those that turn their lives back to Him. And that shows you that even in the midst of our struggles and our sin and our mistakes, that if we're still breathing alive today, we can still turn back to God. He forgives us and gives us a hope in the future. Uh, it's kind of a deep thing to think about. Oh, now what you guys also think about this, and we're going to kind of uh, transition. Um, the last little part here of chapter 7, you get this heavenly vision, and then you get the interpretation of it. So basically, you get this vision, and somebody asks John, what does this mean? And then John tries to kind of explain what he's seeing here in this vision. Now, I want you guys to pay attention carefully because the vision can get a little bit um, a little bit crazy. Now, tonight's not as crazy as you, as you will get because it gets pretty it gets pretty wild. I mean, it gets real wild. But um, but this one um, this one's pretty important. So, right, listen, listen quickly. It says in verse 9, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one can number of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out in a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels stood around the throne, and the elders of the four living creatures. They go through the elders and the four living creatures. This is all the throne room of heaven. It's still the same kind of scene. And they worship God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, which is John, Who are these arrayed in white robes? And where do these people come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones who come out of great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. Now catch this last part. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger anymore nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat, for the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of waters. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Now, if you guys have read any of the Old Testament, you probably hear, some of that sounds familiar probably. A lot of those, a lot of this passage is parts of verses from the Old Testament. It's about God wiping away every tear, and He made the shepherd leading you to still waters and Psalms. You know, all of this is. So all this is coming to fruition here in Revelation, which is really powerful because the whole Bible tells the story 
And you see all throughout the Old Testament, all that comes together here in this revelation here uh, in the final ending. Um, and, it, and it all points back to Jesus. And so what it's saying here is there's this vision of these multitudes of people that is uncountable. And that these, this multitude is basically all the saints of all time, which saints are believers that have died in the past. So say you die in the next, you know, 1,500 years and we're still around and, you know, maybe you're in heaven watching this happen, you would be one of these saints, you know, that are, that are up there. And so these, this multitude of saints is appearing and they're basically praising and glorifying God and they have palm leaves in their hands. Why do you guys think they have palm leaves in their hands? I thought that was such a weird thing to say. Like, what, what a weird detail. But why, why do you think that's important? Do you have any idea? Palm leaves are what um, they encountered when Jesus came into. Um, yeah, they did. Yeah, um, when he when he came into Jerusalem, they they they, drew, they wrote the palm leaves down. Yeah, so um, the palm leaves were a very important thing in the Bible. And if you go back into some biblical uh, study, palm leaves were actually a symbol in the Christian faith of triumph, basically of victory, and they also signified like peace and like. Uh, like a new era of kind of coming in. And so, um, and all the saints, think about this in heaven. If you have, let's say, millions of people out there from all time say, and they're all like in white robes, and they're waving palm leaves and singing glory to God, think about the incredible scene that would be. You know, basically all reign in the victory. So at this time, God is before the seventh seal is revealed. Remember, all this destruction in the seventh seal is still to come. So before this is revealed, John sees a glimpse of heaven and what heaven's going to look like for all eternity, basically. Where everybody's glorifying, they're praising God, they're celebrating together, they're communing together, they have a peace and a, and a dwelling with the Father, which is the shepherd, um, or Jesus, which is the, which is the shepherd, and hopefully the Father, which is God. And, and the dwelling there, if you go some deeper study there, basically means that God is overarching, protecting them, where they have no fear of harm anymore. Which I think is really cool, because again, what you're about to see is some of the most destructive things in the entire Bible that happens in seal number seven. But right before that, God shows, if you're following me, if you're a believer in me, this is the scene you're going to get for all eternity where there's going to be no harm whatsoever anymore. You know, the sun's not even going to burn you. You're going to be in a place of just eternal peace with me. And this is what you could have. And again, I think that's a really, really important scene to think about here. Because again, in the midst of all this wrath that's happening, God's love still shines through. His grace still shines through. And he shows people that if you just keep your life to me, although you might still endure some tribulation here on earth, this is what you have waiting for me. But if you don't, what's waiting for you is going to be even worse than the seventh, the seventh seal. So that's kind of a cool thing that that's put in that revelation. I think it shows a lot about God's character. And just kind of to conclude here, we're just going to close it out here. I think it also reminds us that we have victory in Jesus in the end. Um, and there's sometimes in life that we're going to be defeated by certain things. We're going to feel down. We're not always going to win the battles in life. You know, we're not necessarily going to always overcome every sickness or every trial that happens. But we know we put our faith and trust in God through those. Even if we die here on earth, the victory is waiting for us in heaven. And the rewards that we're going to get in heaven are going to far away any reward we can ever get here on earth. And so it's worth it in the end. And so God's assuring his people, keep fighting. Keep fighting the good fight. The world may, 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 may say you're terrible for being a Christian, make fun of you, 
you know, think that you're less than, but their judgment's coming. And your victory is waiting. And so you just hold on. Keep trusting me. Keep having faith in me. Because I'm going to assure the victory one day. And that victory will far away any kind of reward you can ever get here on earth. And that's the hope that you have in me. And that's what's so powerful about this part in Revelation is that we see the hope that's there in the midst of all the destruction. That's not what God really desires for any of us. He wants this. But you have to make the choice to follow him and give your life to him. Uh, and that's why it says those that have washed their robes in the blood of Jesus, meaning that they believe Jesus died on the cross for their sins, and they put their faith in him as their Lord and Savior, so they are washed white and standing out with him in victory. Kind of a cool scene there. All right, so let me, um, I'm going to read this last part, and then we're going to conclude. I put this really demonstrates God's loving character, that his first priority, being, being issued in the last seal judgment, is to seal his people and give them the assurance of victory in him, and the hope of what is in store for them for all eternity. This is the God that we worship, and this is the God that wants a relationship with you. Let me pray for us here. And Lord, thank you so much just for your word and uh, Revelation chapter 7, showing us, God, that you desire to be in a relationship with us. Even in the midst of you know, your wrath, even in the midst of anger or disappointment and things we've done, you still desire a relationship with us. And your love shines through bigger than anything, God. So God, I ask that if we're not following you full-heartedly, if we're living lives or living, we're doing certain things, God, we have certain areas of our lives that we know we're not living fully for you in. We have a secret life that we're living outside of church. I ask that, God, we give that fully to you and turn back to you. Because we know that ultimately, God, what we do for you is what's going to last forever. And that that's going to be the victory. Anything we do for ourselves on earth to promote ourselves or to live in the way the world calls us to live, may bring some temporary happiness, but it leads to destruction that we'll see in suit number seven. So God, I ask that we put our hope and faith in you, that we're assured of the victory. Here we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, let's see what time.